going on? And welcome to the Sons of Saturday Irish Podcast. First off, we weren't able to interview Tom Zbikowski like we had planned and posted about. Definitely a bummer because we both were looking forward to it. Everything was in place as a Monday afternoon, and then Tom had a scheduling conflict and it didn't work out. It sucks. We apologize for hyping that up and then not delivering, but there really isn't much we can do about it. Plus, he does have a newborn baby, so he definitely has more important things to do than to talk to us, Luke. Yeah, I mean, story of our lives, right? Not delivering. Uh, I'm, I'm half, I'm half kidding there. Um, you know, we're we're still hopeful to have Tommy Z on in the future, but as Woj mentioned, does have a newborn baby, and uh, you know, he had a couple other scheduling conflicts as well, and so understandably, uh, wasn't able to to speak last night, which is all right because hey, it's still Clemson week, and uh, you know, it takes a little bit more than uh, a missed oppor- uh, missed interview to to knock me off my hype that I'm currently on for this Clemson game on Saturday. It is Clemson week. We've been waiting for it all year, so we're still going to release a full-fledged preview for that game on Friday morning. But first, there was a game in Atlanta this weekend that we'll talk about. We're bringing back our three things for that. And we'll also get into the Trevor Lawrence news. As you know, he tested positive for the coronavirus and will not clear ACC protocols in time to play this Saturday, which Luke and I both agree is a big bummer, even if it improves Notre Dame's chances of winning. And that's pretty much it, honestly. This is going to be much shorter than our other ones without a guest, but uh, we hope you'll stick around. On the bright side, we finally had boots on the ground this weekend. You were in Atlanta for the game against Georgia Tech, so tell me about Halloween weekend in A-Town. So I flew into Atlanta Friday morning. You know, I guess I got to go back about uh, a month or so ago when I was in South Bend for the Florida State game, and I became aware that Georgia Tech was allowing 11,000 people into the game, and they were selling tickets, and I just figured, shit, why not? I'm going to buy a ticket. Um, So booked a flight at 3 in the morning about a month ago and then realized I had done that and bought a ticket the next morning. So that's kind of how we ended up there, but uh, really glad I did, and fortunately was there with a couple of friends who kind of had the same mindset as I did, a couple people from Chicago, and then um, also some buddies down in Florida um, who came up from flight school for the game, and Atlanta was great. I mean, we had a really fun time Halloween weekend, Uh, really nice weather, like 65 and sunny, which is a lot better compared to this, you know, 37 and snow flurries we've been having in Chicago, and uh, the stadium is pretty cool, I got to say, you know. Pretty cool view of the skyline in Atlanta. Sold alcohol, which is always a plus, and um, pretty stress-free game. So was awesome to be there. Uh, definitely feels weird that I was at my first game on Halloween, but very successful road game win. There was once upon a time where I had lost like 13 straight road games, and now I win most of them. So uh, another one added under the belt, and. Uh, Definitely would recommend Bobby Dodd Stadium in, in Atlanta for anybody out there. What was the crowd dynamic? Like, what was the split, do you think? 70-30 Notre Dame. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, I mean, <laughs> I don't know that Georgia Tech fans exist, especially not after that 73-7 to loss to Clemson. Um, actually, that's not true because I did get into it with a Georgia Tech guy, which we can get into later. Um, but... It was uh, pretty heavy Irish. I mean, we were at a bar before the game, and the guy at the table next to us told me he was a 1999 grad, and I was like, yeah, like, where are you from? He's like, Cincinnati. And I was like, oh, so you're just here because you realize it was the only game you go to? He goes, exactly. That's what me and my buddies are doing. I'm like, that's why we're here too. So uh kind of shows you just how pervasive this obsession, this sickness with Notre Dame football is across generations. But a lot of fun, great weekends, and uh, most importantly – Nothing disastrous before the game we've all been waiting for 
probably since that playoff game in Dallas two years ago. Yeah, Clemson actually teetered with disaster more so than Notre Dame, and I think that was the most shocking thing of the whole Saturday. So let's get into that. The news came out um, on Thursday. Pretty interesting, too, how it uh, how word kind of get out. I don't know how this happens, Yeah, but the gamblers just know about COVID positive tests well before the general public does because Twitter got word of uh, a four-point shift in the spread between the Notre Dame and Clemson game. And as soon as that happened, rumors started flying around that, you know, maybe Trevor Lawrence had COVID or ETN or there was something going on. No, they were on Lawrence like right away, I felt like. Everything I saw was was Lawrence. Yeah, which makes it even weirder. How do they know these things? And then the line just came completely off Mm -hmm. some boards, right? Mm -hmm. So what's there in? How are they? How are they getting this information so early? Yeah, the Illuminati. I don't know. Um, I, I really, I don't know. But it, sure enough, you know, you see those things on Twitter. Like, I, it honestly, bad comparison. But I went back to when I started seeing rumors on Twitter that Kobe Bryant was dead, and then I saw Trevor Lawrence has COVID, and I'm like, there's no way this is true. And then it turns out to be true. Um, so. Who knows? I guess there's just some some wizards out there who have these scoops on Twitter. But yeah, um, obviously impacted Saturday's game um, a lot, with, a lot, among with a lot of other flukiness in that Clemson game, but will impact this week as well. Yeah, I thought it was interesting how Clemson has gone about like talking about Lawrence because apparently he got the positive test on Thursday and due to ACC protocols, that means he has to be in isolation for 10 days. There was some weird... Like there were some theories that, hey, maybe Lawrence's like first day out of isolation will be Saturday and maybe he could fly into Notre Dame separate from the team without, you know, a single rep of practice. And, and even that would be pretty scary for Notre yeah. Dame. I don't think like if Lawrence is on the field, like he's going to be good. But then um, I don't know about you. I was kind of surprised that Dabo said after the game, hey, he's not playing against Notre Dame. Like, let's just get this. Let's just get this out there. I was very surprised. I thought he would at least try to play some chess match there with Brian Kelly, forcing Clark Lee's defense to prepare for both him and DJ ukulele, um, which is what I'm (laughs) calling him because that name is way too damn hard to pronounce. And he is a beast, no doubt about that. But uh, he's got to do a little bit more for me to learn how to pronounce his name. But anyways, he needs to have a normal, like a name that, you know, is phonetically proper, you know, like Wojak. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Too easy. I I saw like some tweet this morning from I think it was John Walters saying what's kind of funny is that his first two names are David John. And that's what's, uh, you know, abbreviated and not his last name, which is ridiculous or ridiculously difficult to pronounce. But I digress. Going to be interesting this week. I agree. I was shocked. Dabo Sweeney announced just immediately after that Boston College game that there would be no Trevor Lawrence this Saturday on the field in South Bend. Um, but maybe that means he doesn't respect us. No, I'm kidding. Um, but <laughs> here's, yeah, we don't need to tell him. Like We'll just go out there with our five-star freshman who's a beast. But uh will be interesting for sure. Yeah, he's a stud. But you're right, that game was pretty fluky. You know, when Travis Etienne fumbled at the goal line and then Boston College ran it back, I, I did not think that happened to any other team. <laughs> but Notre Dame, because I've only seen it happen. And it's happened three times now. It happened again on Saturday. Well, that's what I was going to say. Notre Dame did it again to remind you that that's our calling card, not anybody else's. <laughs> as soon as as soon as one other team does it, like, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, uh, we can't let that happen. That's our thing. 
Yeah, at least this time it was on like the 13 as opposed to the goal line in like a critical moment of the game. <laughs> yeah, we were able to bounce back from this one. But, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about DJ ukulele uh, as you refer to him. He is a stud. It's going to be, I mean, Notre Dame's five and a half point dogs for a reason. It doesn't matter who they put mm-hmm. back there. The rest of the team is absolutely loaded. So let's talk a little bit about the Georgia Tech game. You were there, so tell me what you liked about it first. We'll bring back three things this week. Yeah, I mean, right off the top, just being there felt good felt normal um especially coming from chicago where i don't know that i'll ever be at a sporting event again with just various covid restrictions and spikes we're seeing here um the south once again proves to be a different country um (laughs) but uh, a lot of fun you know we still had a lot of distance between us and everybody else so that was good um but yeah it was it was an awesome stadium and and honestly a relatively stress-free game so right off the top that was what was great moving you know into specifics in terms of game performance, Dalen Hayes played his best game of the year, maybe the last two years by far. I mean, quite frankly, he's been pretty invisible this year, um, especially for a guy who's a fifth-year senior, former five-star recruit. Um, He was all, you know, very visible in this game. He had two strip sacks and five tackles, as well as three hurries. That was his first sack since the Louisville game last year in the opener. Now, granted, he did... Missed the rest of last season with when he exited the Virginia game in late September with an injury. But that was still pretty hard to believe when I read that this morning that he hadn't had a sack since then. Because, I mean, that's what, five, six games at least. And for Dalen Hayes, you would expect to see a lot more out of that. But, you know, if that guy can play at that level moving forward, Notre Dame's defense reaches yet another level. And he was rewarded for that this week. Um, One ACC defensive lineman. Of the week, I believe PFF also gave him their defensive player MVP, which I don't understand how they grade <laughs> anything, but it's still out there. They just reward Notre Dame. Yeah. We've established that Notre Dame is on their payroll. Oh, yeah. But huge to see that out of Dalen Hayes. Um, and then I guess finally, sticking with that defense, Kyle Hamilton just doing Kyle Hamilton things. When you see him in person, you, you just realize how much ground he covers so quickly, and it's just really kind of a beautiful sight to see uh, Notre Dame doesn't get guys like that very often. And now that we have him, we must cherish him and, you know, cherish every moment that we get with this guy. Cause he's going to be gone after next season and be a big time NFL draft pick. But man, there was just like every other drive. He'd make a play. It's like, how on earth did he get there that quick? Uh, that guy, that guy's unbelievable. Yeah. That fourth down. Yeah. Why, why did they run that at him? Some gimmick play. Like, do they not watch tape? I, I don't know. Georgia tech. What are you doing? As soon as he, they tried to do that misdirection, or as soon as he got the ball on the left side, like Hamilton was there, <laughs> stuffed him. That play was going nowhere from the beginning. But for me, I would say the third down efficiency was great to see. Notre Dame converted 10 out of 15 third down plays, which, you know, going into the Georgia Tech game, we asked Fortuna, like, what would you like to see Notre Dame? What are we going to gain from this game going into Clemson? And he said, you know, more of the same more of the same in this case, was converting on a third and short. Notre Dame is 23-27 and 27 this season running the ball in a third and short, which, I mean, might not seem like a lot, but last year that was oddly a big problem for Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Like on third and short, they tried to run and they got stuffed a lot. This year the line is just completely overpowering and the running backs are doing a great job behind them. I thought it was interesting that Sebo Flemister is getting a lot more touches. He did a little bit early on in the season, like against USF, he had 100 yards, but I think you and I could have had 100 <laughs> yards in that game. So it seems like he's taken some of the carries away from Chris Tyree, which I don't think anyone's complaining about. Like Tyree still got the ball, was effective. He had, I think, the longest run of the game at 21 yards, but 
even though Flemister's stat sheet doesn't jump off the page at all, he had 15 carries for 58 yards. He was a big factor in converting on those third downs. So that'll be something to follow going into this week's game against Clemson. Sort of off the Dalen Hayes note, our defensive line has been really solid all year, but somewhat mediocre at getting after the quarterback. They had just 12 sacks in five games uh, coming into this one, and then they finished with five against Georgia Tech. Now, granted, Georgia Tech's offensive line looked completely overmatched. Most of those guys were recruited around the triple option, so going to deal with some difficulties there as they sort of transition to regular football again. And lastly, I'm going outside of the realm of Notre Dame, but it sort of ties in. Uh, Michigan being Michigan is great. (laughs) Uh, it's great this year because I don't feel some like weird obligation to root for Michigan. Like when Michigan is on the schedule, you know, I want them to succeed to improve our strength of schedule so that when we beat them or well, not in the case of last year, but if we do beat them, like even in uh, 2018, as annoying as it was when people started to say that Michigan was actually better than Notre Dame when they went on that run after that game, it did help Notre Dame out or at least help their resume this year. We don't have to worry about that. Notre Dame's not playing Michigan. Yeah, I hope they lose every game. Yeah, they can lose every game. And this is just like classic Harbaugh, right? He's now 3-8 and eight against his rivals. They were 21.5-point favorites at home against a rival. Uh, the team that— 24. Was it 24? Yeah, it got up to 24. Um, and, I mean, I, I said that. Like, I don't know how he's still employed because that morning I said, I don't know that Michigan State's going to win a game this year. Um, but— <laughs> There okay, we that's on you. <laughs> no, I mean, that wasn't just me. That was said a lot after they lost to Rutgers. Yeah, they had seven turnovers, so that might have been a little bit fluky, but that was Rutgers' first win in the Big Ten since ever they joined the Big Ten. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think that might have been their first win ever. But, yeah, that was just a really weird showing by them. And Don Brown's defense that is pretty much all reliant on having corners that can play man coverage, and they're just getting torched by uh, – Michigan State's wide receivers who they're not speed demons let's put it that way they were like all freshmen pretty much too yeah and then if if they weren't getting burnt they would just hold them and there was a bunch of PI calls and then Harbaugh said today that uh I don't know he's complaining about the refs but dude you you can't lose to Michigan State at home yet again and especially when with a Michigan State team that is you know nowhere near what they've been in recent years so that is what I liked from this weekend yeah, hard to argue with that. Um, however, we also now have to go on the flip side of that. Things we didn't like, um, I guess right, you know, probably the easiest choice here is the the spread drama not going our way for as but they tried. As vaunted as they this offensive try. line has been, and we just talked about the short yardage on third down. Um, first of all, I couldn't believe we ran a play with two seconds left to try to cover. You can't? Well. It's because Tommy had it. Tommy definitely had Notre Dame. Yes, and I also couldn't believe we didn't score. Um, you know, kind of annoying, especially when you consider the 90-plus yard touchdown return on that fumble that kind of impacted that spread. Thankfully, I actually did not take that. However, some people I was sitting with certainly did and uh, were not happy. Um, but... Then, um, it leads me to my next point, uh, you know, that fumble. Um, Kyron Williams has had a couple fumbles this year, and one of our friends pointed out that we fumble a lot more often under Lance Taylor than we ever did under Autry Denson for all Autry Denson's failures as a recruiter. Um, we had some pretty good backs. Ball security was certainly a focus, and, I mean, it's petty of me, right? But we, we can't have those sort of fumbles next week. Um, thankfully, these ones haven't mattered yet because – 
the competition hasn't been there, but that just absolutely can't happen next week, especially when you look at where that happened in the game. We're about to go up. Was it 14 to nothing? Yeah, and another thing there, too, is I don't know if maybe Georgia Tech saw it on film, but to me, watching it on TV, it seemed like they were going after the ball a lot more. Okay, yeah. I, I was away from that play, so I can't speak to that, but I believe it. And then thirdly, um, and I think this is for... Those of you listeners who have come to know me will not come as any shock to you, but uh, got into it with some idiot Georgia Tech fans sitting around me, which, eh, you know, I'll get into it. Anyways. When you say around me, like how close was he? He was about four four rows in front of us to the left. He instigated all of it, by the way. Of but course. Here's, here's what happened. So we ran an out route in the second quarter to McKinley on a third down, picked it up, but away from that out route, there was like a blatant pick play that we got away with. And I see a flag come out. So does my friend Luis sitting next to me. And he says, oh, they're going to call the pick play. Like, of course, whatever classic Notre Dame. And this guy just turns around and he goes, a pick play? That was an out route. Learn football. And we're like, dude, the out route was completely separate from this. Like the pick play still happening. He goes, I don't know how you think a pick play can happen there. Like learn football. Penalty was something else. The refs just missed it. Um, but that doesn't change anything because, first off, I mean, we were, like, saying, like, yeah, we committed a penalty there. I don't know why you're yelling at us. Like, whatever. And then I just proceeded to make this guy's life a living hell the rest of the half. You know, any nice play we had, I would just yell, that's the pick play right there. That's the pick play. Um, I think he tried to make up for his mistake and told us that he went to the same high school as Kyle Hamilton. And I was like, oh, Nice. What what years you graduate? He said twenty thirteen. I said, oh, so you're six years older and have absolutely no chance of knowing him. Nice. Um, <laughs> and I don't think he quite cared for that, but you know, maybe I actually I did kind of enjoy it a little bit. It felt a little bit normal just getting into it with some opposing fan who had no business saying anything to me. Um, so I didn't like it, but I kind of liked it too. Yeah, I was gonna say that's a dislike, but you sound like almost giddy that you felt that again. Last year you were getting into it with Notre Dame fans, so it doesn't yeah. even matter. That guy, what that guy doesn't realize is it's not. It's not even, a him thing. It's 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 just a fan thing. Like it also, learn football is just an, a cardinal sin. Like saying that to me because I will point out every stupid thing you've ever said when you're just completely baseless in that. So that was number three. All right, all right. For me, I'd say uh, the defense gave up a touchdown for the first time in three weeks inexcusable is Clark Lee on the hot seat now he might be <laughs> all right all joking aside I thought I'm getting greedy here because the defense has been so good but um I was really hoping our defensive backs would get some interceptions against Jeff Sims the quarterback at Georgia Tech he came into this game with eight touchdowns in 10 interceptions not the best stat line no. if you're a quarterback <laughs> so we only have four on the season and our defensive backs have played pretty well I think McLeod played really well against Georgia Tech. I don't know. I just like to see the cornerbacks make more plays in the ball. Like it happened in the pick game two where Sean Crawford had an Mm -hmm. easy opportunity to go for the pick. He went for the hit and then he whiffed. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what are we trying to do there? It seems like Hamilton's the one that's going for the ball the most. I don't know. Four interceptions seems pretty low. It's not like we're playing high caliber quarterbacks either. Yeah. I mean, you bring up Hamilton there. I know guys like, you know, he's not getting thrown out as much for good reason, but it's pretty shocking to me that we're at this point in the season. He doesn't have a pick yet, to be honest. Yeah, especially considering his first play ever in Notre Dame Stadium was a pick six. So um, going outside in Notre Dame again, Florida ruined my perfect slate 
had a great weekend last weekend picks wise and Dan Mullen was back on his bullshit again. I'm watching this game. At the end of the first half, Missouri kind of cheap shot at Kyle Trask. They chucked up a Hail Mary. He hit him in the chest. Trask didn't really do anything. But then psychopath Mullen came out to midfield and was screaming at the officials. Had to be restrained by like four or five guys. And like, I get it. I respect a coach sticking up for his players. But then like Mullen's, I don't know, confrontation with the ref sort of shifted into the team. And now there's a huge brawl going on between the two teams. You know, most of these brawls are just pushing and shoving. He's kind of just like the leader of the Bozo Brigade, isn't he? Like he just does something every week where it's just like, what are you doing? Like I don't, I don't get that guy. Yeah, this is the same Florida team that literally couldn't practice for two weeks because Mullen, along with a bunch of other guys in the team, all had COVID just mere days after saying he wanted to pack the swamp in Florida. I don't. He's just a weird guy. And then like once all the teams went into the tunnel. He came back out and was getting the crowd pumped up. I don't know. I just, I clearly don't like Dan Mullen. In some places, they call that inciting a riot. <laughs> That's true. I, I don't know what it, I mean, I know what it is. He's just annoying. But at this point, it's like whatever Dan Mullen does is probably just going to annoy me slightly. And this, I just thought was ridiculous. Like, again, he's sick up his player. That's good. There's a way to do it. And he did it the wrong way. So, that's pretty much all I got. There really wasn't a whole lot not to like against Georgia Tech, to be honest. Like, Notre Dame had a job to do, and that was get in there, win easily, and no injuries. And that happened. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've been wanting to get to November 7th for as long as I can remember. We have said it a million times on this podcast, and now we're here. And I couldn't be more excited. You know, games like this don't come around too often. We'll get more into that on Friday. But uh, I'm pretty excited, especially for a Monday night. I'm still super excited. This is already the longest week ever, and you're going to be back in South Bend for the game. What's your game plan this weekend? You're really right. It is the longest week ever. We sit here. Um, I feel like this week just every day goes by so slow. It gets dark at 4 o'clock, which doesn't help either. But, yeah, I am going to South Bend this weekend. Cannot be more excited about that, even though it, it kind of sucks that fans aren't allowed in the game, which doesn't quite feel right being the biggest game in 15 years. But headed to South Bend. Thursday afternoon, and this is the ultimate test. Um, and I'm not just referring to Notre Dame against Clemson as a measuring stick here. I am referring to a streak that I've had going uh, with my good friends, the Waitula brothers, since the Ball State game of 2018 when we decided to go to Mulligan's Bar and Grill, you know, right off the corner there at, at Edison uh, at 2.15 for last call. And we won that game, and we have done that at every home game since. Uh, That's 17 so far. And literally the only reason we went to the Virginia Tech and Navy games last year was because this streak was going. Like, we, I had no desire to go to South Bend to watch us play two crappy teams. Um, But (laughs) there we are. So uh, this is the ultimate test. If we win this game, I mean, I'm going to be at Mulligan's again at 2.15 on Friday night. And uh, this is what we've been putting all the work in to see if the Mulligan's superstition lives up to the hype is that it or are you is there like a special sacrifice you're gonna make or you uh, just... usually what what happens is you just walk in um order pickleback shots for everybody in the group and bud lights and that's pretty much it bud light miller light whatever it is but usually the pickleback shot is kind of a, a necessary aspect of that visit and uh yeah they love us there uh, i think um i don't know <laughs> but um I, i'd like to think so because i love them 
All right. That's awesome. That's all we got for today. We hope you'll join us again on Friday morning as we get you ready for the biggest Notre Dame home game in 15 years. Until then, we'll see you.